0: We are, we are today going to start up something new, um, looking at a different, uh, different passage of Scripture together over the next few weeks. Um, we're going to begin a series today that I'm titling uh, a Disciple Life. Um, Jesus taught a lot of things to his disciples over the three years of his earthly ministry. Um, but I, one of the most significant Things that he taught them was in the last evening that he had with his disciples before he was crucified. This well, we find this um, in all of the gospels where Jesus is is speaking to his his disciples, spending that last evening with them. But only in John, the Gospel of John, beginning in chapter 13, do we get this really long, long-ish, detailed. Um, teaching from Jesus about what it means for them to be disciples after him it 's always important I think to um, reflect on a person 's last words. the last time somebody got uh, somebody had a chance to speak the maybe it was words on their deathbed they spoke a blessing to their children or maybe it was the last time a a, a great man gave a a, a speech or the last time a mother um, said some encouraging words to a child, um, we 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 remember those last words, and uh, we think about them, and oftentimes we memorialize their last words. And here's Jesus with the last opportunity he's going to have to teach his disciples. What did he want them to know? What did he want them to come away? Uh, with, And so, beginning to today, and then over the next uh, about 10 weeks or so, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture together, uh, section by section, beginning in John 13. And uh, today, I want us to just look at this opening scene, and how John describes that last uh, supper, that last gathering that Jesus had with his people, and what he begins his teaching with. What he starts off with, I think, is really significant for not only for his disciples, but also for us today. So, let's take a look at that together. And uh, follow along with me, um, either on the screen or in your own Bibles. We're at John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. I'll read it aloud. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray again. Father, thank you for this word. I pray that you will impress it on our hearts. God, there's so much here. We could spend weeks just looking at all of these verses and words and uncovering the meaning of all of them. But today, I pray that, God, you'll just help us to understand uh, from the message what it is you want us to know, what it is that you have um, called us to do as a result of this word. God, use it to change our hearts, to transform us. In, In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So here we are. Jesus, you see the scene set in the very first verse. Now, before the Feast of the Passover. How many of you are familiar with Passover? The, you know, Jewish, the Jewish people still celebrate Passover every year. It's, a, it's, a, it's an occurrence. Every spring, Passover happens. And uh, it was no different for the Jewish people... Uh, in Jesus' time, 2,000 years ago, they're celebrating the Passover, and it's a big deal, it's a big feast, there's a way to do it, and before the feast of Passover, uh, Jesus and his disciples gathered together to have a meal. Um, the, Jesus knows, he says he, know, he knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world and to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Here's this, this feast of the Passover um, where, they're going to do, where they're going to gather and celebrate uh, the exodus from, from Egypt. And the fact that God passed over, the angel passed over the families that belonged to Israel. The families who had the blood of a sacrificial lamb on the doorposts, the frames of the doors of their homes, and they were celebrating that feast. Here is Jesus saying, I have loved these who are in the world, and I'm going to love them all the way to the end, to the end of my life, as I prepare to give my life as a sacrifice for them. Uh, I'm going to love them not just to the end of my life, but I'm going to love them to the end of their lives, I'm going to love them to the end of eternity with the love that the Father has for the world. Um, I wanted I, I, I wanted to point out here at the very beginning that um, we're, we're going to, this, this passage is going to focus on uh, us serving one another. The command that Jesus gives at the end is you also ought to wash one another's feet, which is an act of, service, an act of humility, an act of love, an act of uh, really abasement, making yourself less in front of other people to serve them and to meet their needs. But serving one another begins with spending time together, being in fellowship together, being uh, in community together. And we talk a lot about that at the River Church, um, talking about being in community there they are celebrating a feast. There they are celebrating a supper. There they are sharing their lives together. How difficult it is when we try to serve other people who we're not in community with. Have you ever tried to go out and, uh, and to serve, say, people in maybe in, in your community in your community, uh, maybe people in another place. You go, I'm going to go down to the the soup kitchen. I'm going to serve the people who are coming there for a meal, who don't have a meal. Do you find that difficult? Um, do you find that 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 service enriches your life and their life? Probably does. And I'm sure you could probably think of many uh, many situations where, where, because of offering a meal or offering a drink or some kind of act of service, it allowed you an, a chance to relate to the, a person in a way that they never have before, that you never had before. But I find it so difficult to go out of, to, to serve people who I don't really know, <laughs> who I, I don't know their needs, I don't know where they are at. I don't know what would really encourage them the most. And so, so we serve those people who we're in close proximity to, the people that we know, the people that we spend time with. But look at Jesus' motivation. His motivation for serving, his motivation was love. He loved them. He had loved them. And he loved them To the end, he continued to love them. Jesus went to his disciples to serve. Look what he did. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, we're going to come back to that. We'll come back to that, and we'll certainly cover it next week in more detail. Um, But Jesus, he said, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. Look what he did. He laid aside his outer garments, so he took off his clothes, and he was kind of down to his under garments, essentially. And he took a towel, which would have been a large towel, not a, not a washcloth, um, not a hand towel but a very large towel that he could wrap around him. He tied it to his waist, poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. That whole description in detail, uh, John wants us to understand exactly the scene that was going on. And you kind of have to um, imagine, uh, not, not like a, a, a Passover meal that you might... Um, uh, attend today, or, or if you want to put it in our context, a, a Thanksgiving meal where everyone's gathered around the table, sitting in chairs, sitting upright. Uh, it would be pretty awkward for Jesus to try to wash feet that way. Maybe, I don't know, would he have to crawl under the table to do that? I, I'm not sure how that would work or have people swivel around and wash their feet. But you have to imagine what was actually going on. Here at this time, there was probably a table, but it was a very low table. Probably no more than a foot off the ground, maybe six inches off the ground. And the, the, those who were eating around the table were reclining around the table. And they might have had large pillows that they rested their elbows on, probably their left elbow on a the, on the pillow, with their head and shoulders towards the table, so they could reach up with their right hand and grab the food, dip it into the, the broth or the uh, herbs there, and eat and fellowship together around that table. And their feet would be, would be out behind them. So you'd have this this large this, this table, probably a long table, and everyone gathered around it with, on their elbows with their feet behind them, and you'd have all these feet hanging out around the side. So if you were to walk around the table, you weren't, weren't walking around people's heads and shoulders, you were walking around their feet. And so what Jesus does, is he prepares himself to wash the feet, takes the basin with water, and he walks around the table, and he stops at every one of his disciples, and he washes their feet. That's what's going on there. Jesus went, went to his disciples to serve them. I, I think it's interesting that um even though that's a certainly a just a, a logistical um a logistical uh, uh s- setting there for Jesus to wash feet you know he had to go around the table um but he, why didn't he why didn't he uh set up the the basin um at the entry to the room why didn't he just come on in here here's the foot washing station, let me wash your feet and then come on in and and come to the table um, with your feet already washed. Part of it, I think, is because Jesus wanted to set an example for his disciples of going to serve rather than inviting people to come to be served. Is there a difference? I mean, certainly it's okay to say, come, come, To this place, come to this place where we gather to worship. Uh, Come to this place where you can um, get a need met. But it's interesting that He went to His disciples to serve. That He humbled Himself and went to where they were. I wonder for us, who we know who's in need. Who do you know who's in need? who's not going to come inside the doors of the place where we gather, who's not going to show up saying, hey, can, I, can you help me out with this need, but has that need nonetheless. Go to them. Don't wait for them to come to you. Go to them and serve. Notice, um, notice what happens next, though, for Jesus. He came to Simon Peter. And if you know anything about Simon Peter, you know he's a man who always speaks his mind. Sometimes sometimes um, to the detriment of himself and to others. But here he says probably what all of the other disciples were thinking. They were like, wait a second. Jesus is our rabbi. He is our leader. And he is washing our feet. And so Peter probably voices what everyone else is thinking. Lord, do you wash my feet? And and it's interesting that um, in the original languages, the emphasis is on, Lord, do you wash my feet? You of all people, what are you doing washing my feet? You shouldn't be washing my feet. Jesus answered him, well you don't understand what I'm doing but you will understand in time afterward you will understand what after the foot washing after supper no after his death after his death after Jesus gives his life you will understand that that's why he that's why I came peter i came not to be served but to serve he said and to give my life as a ransom for many. So Jesus, his, Jesus washing his disciples' feet, this whole act of foot washing, is a foreshadowing of the death that he would go through. The pain and the suffering, the humility that he would experience through death on the cross. Paul says in Second Corinthians 5.21, He became sin who knew no sin so that we might become or we might receive His righteousness. He became sin for us. He died on the cross. He humbled Himself and became obedient to death on the cross for us and for our sake. That's the thing that that Peter and the disciples didn't understand. Because he said the very next thing, he said, well, you shall never wash my feet. I don't care if I'll understand it later. I don't care if I don't get it now, and maybe later it'll be clear. I don't want to have you do that. I don't want you to wash my feet. But Jesus, what did he say? If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. You can't be my follower. You can't be part of me. You can't receive anything from me, unless I wash you. You can't come before me and say, hey, I'm okay. I'm, good. I'm a good person. I've got this all figured out. You can't do that. You have to let me wash you. You have to let me make you clean. So, of course, Simon's, Simon says, oh, if that's the case, then don't just wash my feet now. Go ahead and wash my head and my hands. Just make my whole body clean again. Let's just do this. Let's let's get this bath. You know, I want my whole body to be clean, not just my feet. Well, Jesus says something else. I think that's really important. He says, The one who has bathed does not need a wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you all, you all, he says, using the plural you, are clean. What he means by that is that this foot washing that he was doing was not going to ceremonial, ceremonially make them you know, clean. There wasn't some magic in the foot washing that was going to make them clean. But they had already been clean <laughs> by Jesus himself. By his calling them. By his giving them spiritual cleansing through faith in him. So the foot washing is then a symbol of the once-for-all spiritual cleansing that had already taken place in his disciples. Though, not every one of them. Right? For he knew who was to betray him. Verse 11. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Have you experienced this once-for-all spiritual cleansing through faith in Jesus? If so, then you don't need to keep going back for salvation over and over again. But what you go back to is the good news of Jesus to remind yourself that you are clean. To remind yourself of what Jesus has already done for you. So the disciples, their posture should have been Thank you for cleansing my feet. Thank you for washing my feet. Thank you for serving me. Because it reminds me that what you've already done in our hearts, what has already taken place in our hearts is a spiritual cleansing that has made made us pure, that has made us clean through faith in Jesus. But notice that not everybody experienced that internal spiritual cleansing. So... Judas, (laughs) Judas, <laughs> he was referring to Judas, Judas who betrayed him, Judas who, who, whose heart was, was overcome by really, gosh, he says the devil had put it into his heart, meaning that his motivations were satanic, of the devil. He was not clean. He had not been... He had not been spiritually clean. His faith was not in Jesus. He'd been faking it probably the entire time, looking maybe for the benefits of following Jesus. But he didn't want Jesus himself. And he certainly didn't want what it meant to be a disciple, to follow him. When he had washed their feet, and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done for you? The question, I guess, that should, that should be a question for us. Do we understand what Jesus was doing here? Um, we know from hindsight, looking back, as Jesus said, afterward you will understand. Afterward you'll understand. You'll see clearly what this means. We understand that uh, the foot washing was a foreshadowing of the, the humble service, the, the humble death that Jesus would, would go through for our behalf, on our behalf. We understand that this foot washing is a symbol of the once for all spiritual cleansing that takes place in the hearts of believers when they come to faith in Christ. But it's also an example to us, of how we ought to serve one another with love and with humility, because he says, "Look, you call me teacher and lord, and you are right, for so I am. I'm teacher and lord, rabbi. Um, uh, I'm I'm your your lord, your your master, in the sense of the one the one they follow. And you're right, that's who I am. But if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So why was this a big deal? (laughs) Because this foot washing, this foot washing was never done by the greater person for the lesser person. A teacher would not wash feet. A a lord would not wash feet. A rabbi would not wash feet. The man of the house would not wash feet. An elder of the people would not wash feet. A priest would not wash feet. This foot washing task was done by the lowest of slaves. Uh, Even in some contexts, not even a Jewish slave would be asked to wash the feet of their Jewish masters or others in the household. They would bring somebody else in, a Gentile, an outsider, to do this foot washing. Yet, Jesus says, if I your Lord, your master, your teacher, am going to wash your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. That's the example that I'm giving you. And then he says this, Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. In other words, do you think you're better than me? I will die for you all. I will give my life for you. I will serve you to death. Do you think you're better than me? You think you don't have to serve one another? If I'm going to do it for you, you ought to do it for one another. A messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. I'm the one who sends. And if I'm going to wash your feet, then as you go... As a messenger, you ought to wash other people's feet too. Christ's example of humility, as well as His authority, is captured so well in Paul's letter to the Philippians, in which he says this, and I'm going to read it so just in case my memory um, fails me. But he said this about Jesus in Philippians 2, verses 6 through 11, who, he said, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Just think about that. He was God. The second person of the Trinity, as we... They try to explain the relationship between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, deity, authority. He knew where He had come from and He knew where He was going. He didn't count that equality with God a thing to hold on to, to make much of, but He emptied Himself, He says. By taking the form of a servant Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. Christ's example to us is one who has great authority but does not take advantage of any of those rights that he has and humbles himself to the point of death on a cross. We may never be called to die for somebody. And I pray that we never have to. But how much more difficult would it be to actually live for somebody else? To live for their sake. To, to serve, to humble ourselves, to love somebody so much to serve them without recognition, without benefit, and then to go on from there having done that and having people think, oh, I can't believe that he just lowered himself like that. I can't believe she humbled herself that much. How embarrassing. Would we be willing to do that. To follow Jesus' example. If you know these things, he said, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. I wondered about that. What kind of blessing does Jesus is Jesus talking about? He doesn't really elaborate on that. <laughs> he just says, Blessed are you if you do them. I got to think that he's referring to and making reference to the many, many times when he has said, Blessed are you. Blessed are you when people persecute you. Blessed are you when they say false things about you. Blessed are you when you are rejected for my sake and the gospel. Blessed are you if you deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. The kind of blessing that doesn't come from recognition like servant of the year. (laughs) Like, did you see how she serves other people? And we should give her an award for that. I think the kind of blessing that Jesus is talking about here is the kind of blessing of knowing Christ and serving Him. Jesus told the story um, in another gospel about what's going to happen when we all go to stand before Jesus. And what He's going to do is He's going to separate the people. He says like a a shepherd would separate sheep from goats, uh, God, the King, is going to do that with the people. And he's going to separate them one on one side and one group on another. And he's going to say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's a pretty big blessing. Then he says, why? For I was hungry. And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. That's the kind of blessing that Jesus is offering right here. When we serve one another to wash one another's feet, we're not just serving to meet another person's need. We're serving Christ. Whatever you've done to these, my brothers and sisters, you've done to me, for me. And therefore, you come and join in the party. You come in and experience the blessing of the Heavenly Father. You come and receive the kingdom that has been prepared for you. I think there are two ways we can respond to this and maybe maybe the Holy Spirit has given you some very specific things um, to do but let me encourage you to do two things number one seek spiritual cleansing seek it seek Jesus seek to put faith in Jesus alone Because it's not going to be, we've got it all figured out. It's not going to be, well, I'm a good person. It's not going to be, well, I've taken good care of my family. It's going to be, have you put your faith in Jesus? There's only one way to receive what he calls spiritual cleansing. What in other places just to call Salvation. Faith in Jesus. I want to encourage you to seek that if you've never found it before. And I want to also encourage you all, if you are a, a follower of Jesus, if you are a brother and sister in Christ, serve others with humility. Serve others with love. Serve not, not looking to be recognized. Identifying, who, who is it? Who is it? Right now, in your heart and in your mind, you know this person is in need. You know that there's a brother or sister in Christ who's in need. And you may be thinking, they'll come eventually and I'll serve them. But maybe Jesus is saying, To you, as I think he's saying to me, go to them. Go to them and serve them. Go to them and meet a need. Don't wait for them to come to you. Humble yourself and serve them. How does God want you to respond today? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for... um, this word, and I thank you for, for everyone gathered here today, um, gathered to, um, to worship, to sing, to, to pray together, to hear the word. Uh, Father, I thank, the, I thank you for the opportunity we have um, in, our, in our country and, and God, in our city, to gather like this, to worship you in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for any here today who have never made a commitment of faith in Jesus, have never, have never said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know exactly what it means, but I know I must. I must follow Jesus. I must commit my life to Him and receive the spiritual cleansing that I need for my own heart and my own life. God, I pray for any here today who need to do that. God, that you will draw them to yourself during this time. Lord, I pray for all, all of us here that we will look at this example of Jesus not as this event that happened once long ago and then we think about it and, you know, try to extrapolate some moral principles from but God that it is you speaking to us saying you must serve one another that we will do that, that we will obey that your spirit will empower us to joyfully serve others in your name God I pray that um, we will do that today each of us